Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice. And my guest today is Nicole Aslan, who writes Cozy Mysteries. She's going to be talking about writing while you work full time. And she's also going to be talking about her muse. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> I am doing fine. And I'm very happy to have you too, because you have some really interesting things to share. First, though, I want you to show everybody your book, Murder at First Pitch, which came out last year. There you go. Look at that. I've learned my Vanna presentation skills. But <laughs> after you learn that you're marketing in a pandemic, you realize you have that little box <laughs> to show it really well. <laughs> there you go. And you did a really good job because you didn't hold it in front of your face the no, way some people do. This is the moneymaker. No. <laughs> So it's not exactly baseball season, but I'm really, really curious to talk about muses because I don't know that I have a muse. Maybe I do and I don't know about it, but you have a very defined muse. So why don't you tell us about your muse? Yeah. So obviously with a baseball cozy mystery, baseball is kind of the forefront. So my muse came from the fact that I love baseball and I watch baseball. I listen to baseball, even now when the Red Sox are not winning, <laughs> I listen to it every night, Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming, hoping for the best. So when I first conceived what I would write as a mystery author, I knew I wanted to be a cozy author because I like that kind of genre and warm, fuzzy feeling mystery. But I also knew I couldn't probably write about you know, a bookseller, because that's not what I do. I couldn't write about a glass blower because I've never done that in my life. So I knew I wanted to write something that I could put my passion into, and that's baseball. Granted, I don't work for a baseball team. I don't own a baseball team. You don't play professional baseball, do you? (laughs) No, I don't play any sports. That's why I'm a writer. (laughs) No, physical activity is not my thing. I hear you. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, that's all right. Oh no, the two of us, oh no. And like I said, my grandfather was a big Red Sox fan and got us into the sport. So I just, it's always been in my life and kind of in that background. So when I knew I wanted to write a mystery, I knew I wanted to bring that in and kind of share that passion with the world. And knowing that there's not any other that I know of really cozy mysteries with a woman in the baseball world. And that's been part of the fascinating process is meeting other women who love sports just as much as I do and use it for their own writing and their muses. I wasn't sure there was going to be a community for it. <laughs> and, and it turns out there's a great community for it. And I think that was a pleasant surprise in learning about my book, learning about myself and writing and going forward. So then you're obviously a big proponent of write what you know. Yes. Okay. You don't have to know everything about it, but right. it, the basis of it, you need to know. Right. Like I don't know a lot about the workings of a minor league team. I don't know how scouts work. I don't know how like the business decisions are made, but I know if I were to be working for a team, like the main character in the book, this is kind of how I would go into each day. And I, you know, I'd walk the park, I'd talk to the grounds crew, I'd talk to the concession people. You kind of get that homey feel. As I'm continuing in this series, I'm starting to read more about how the independent leagues work and how minor leagues work. I have a couple books that are just stories from the independent leagues and learning about that has been fascinating because it is such a different world from what you would think a pro life is. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you see the pro stars and they're making hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, but these poor guys in independent league who just want to play baseball make like $500 a week. And you're like, that's just bananas to me. And so that that's also intriguing because it's something somebody loves to do so much that it's definitely not about the money. It's about going out and entertaining. And I think learning some of those stories 
peppers through the book a little bit too, which is nice to put a more human side to some of these sports that you're, you only see on the big screen. But it's also something you as a writer have in common with them because let's face it, most writers don't write for the money <laughs> and they do it because they have a love for it and they're exactly. telling their and story. And to tie into so. everything else. You have to work full time. Whenever I introduce myself to people, I'm like, oh, I'm a technical writer by day and a murder mystery author by night because that's kind of, you try to juggle those two lives. And yeah, because it isn't about the money. For me, the catalyst for me to get a publisher, get it published, get it out in the world was just to see my name in print with something I love at a bookstore or my favorite at the library, which I still go to the library and I, I find my book yeah. every time and <laughs> I say hello. Baby. And then the librarians <laughs> know me now. And I love that. Like I walk in and I'm like, oh, but that's good because when your next one comes out, which it will be, we'll be talking about that in a little bit, uh, then they'll be happy yeah. to have that and, you know, different events yeah. and all that. But like you, I have a day job and my day job is writing, not fiction, which, which is my favorite thing to write. And why don't you talk about some of the challenges that you find when you have a full-time job and you have to do your fiction mm -hmm. writing, the, the writing that you have a passion for, isn't first thing on your list. It has to be fit in around other things. Yeah, it's been tough. The first book, I, I feel like a lot of writers are probably like this too. Sequels are hard. So writing the second book was a little bit different from the first book. The first book was the book of my heart, the book of my passion. So that kind of came a little bit easy. I would get home from work. Um, I'm an early bird. So I'd work six to three and then I'd come home and maybe do an hour or I would write on the weekends. With book two, I found it a little bit harder. I got a new job that was a little bit more involved and afterwards, and I write for a living technically. So it's like sometimes the last thing you want to do is look at a computer when you get home from work. Even if it's something you love, you're like, I can't stare at a screen for another hour. I will die. Of course, then you watch TV and whatever. <laughs> And now with the pandemic, you're working from home. So in theory, you should be able to get a little bit more time in there. But even then, again, it's at the end of the day, I'm like, let's shut this laptop down. And you know, it's funny you say that because me, what I do is I tend to get up and the very first thing I do after I get my tea is sit in front of my computer and write yeah. my fiction. And when I do that and do that every day, I accomplish more, but the thing is you have to do, I have to do it at five or six o'clock right. in the morning before anybody is going to call me. So I suppose, you know, a lot of it has to do with what your schedule's like, mm -hmm. who you live with. I'm the only one here, you know, that early in the yeah, morning. Yeah. And that's what I've found too, is that there's no hard and fast rule of how to write with a full-time job. If you're the type of person who can write in bursts and you're like, oh, I have a free 15 minutes here before the kids get out of school boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. If you're like me, who's finds like during the week, it's just too hard to continue looking at a screen. Weekends mm -hmm. become the, the road warriors. It's been a little harder now because again, I can't just go to Starbucks and sit for an hour and type, which is how I was used to do. Oh, really? You like to go out. I like oh, to sit. Me. I love my office and my desk. I work here and I'm just so comfortable here. And I mean, I, I can write in another yeah. place, but I'm like at my best right here where yeah, I'm doing right. everything. See, this is so misleading, my background, because this isn't really an office. Yes. It's my dining room. And so it faces my TV. And for me, I'm a big TV junkie. So if I'm at home, the TV is probably on or I'm scrolling through Twitter like a crazy person or I'm, you know, talking to the cats or doing a million reading a book because I have so many of them to read. Yeah. And it's been fine in the summer because on the weekends I can go outside on the deck and kind of just take some time to decompress and write. 
before it would be, let's go to Panera for an hour. And sometimes that helps too, because I can give myself a reward. I bought a cinnamon bun and put it right in front of me. And I said, if you get 1500 words in this hour, you can eat that cinnamon bun. I mean, I was going to eat it anyway, but in my head, there was a little bit of a, re risk, a reward thing going on. It, I yeah. bought it, so it's going to be eaten. And I think that worked for me, but I know, like you said, you work in your office and it works for you. But what I don't get is if you go to a place like Panera or Starbucks, don't the noises and the conversation, for me, I don't even play music. And if I do, it has to be classical music without words. Because if I hear words, <laughs> they interfere with my thought process because I'm an auditory right. person. And, and I'm different because, yeah, I like if I were writing here on the deck, I would write to the baseball game. So if it was an afternoon baseball game on a Sunday, I would put the background, the baseball game on and I could just type words for days. And I find sometimes it also helps when I'm in a public because you kind of get a little people watchy and you start to hear things. And that yeah. is sometimes fun. I mean, the book is set in Massachusetts. So every now and then, you know, you drop an R, you drop a throw, you know, like, what's up, kid? <laughs> like that kind of language. And when you hear it out, it's a little bit harder to put it into the book. But yeah, I find it less distracting to be at like a coffee shop than it is to be in my house. You're more easily distracted at home than out. Oh, yeah. So you're obviously not no. an auditory person then. You're probably hands-on, more yep. kinesthetic than you are auditory yep. and visual. And see, I think that's such an important part of what we do and especially how well you can integrate it with your oh, full-time sure. job or anything else. And it all know, goes and back to the do what works for you. And because I'm right. also not of the belief that you have to write every day. Like I don't write every day, but you're constantly thinking about ways to be creative. Because I know I have family that's, you know, got two kids and now they're Zoom teaching and doing this and that and the other. You put more pressure on yourself by saying, I have to write every day. I have to sit down and do this. And I think that can lead to a little bit of blockage. But if you find what works for you, where, you know, it's like every other day or 10 minutes before bed or at the coffee shop or whatever. Everyone's different. And, and the thing is, I think that if you feel guilty, then you're not right, doing it exactly. right. And for me, I like to write every day only because the, the continuity yeah. is there. The flow is there. I tend to do a first draft. And the only editing I'll really do is if I sit down today, I'm going to read over what I wrote right. yesterday. I'll do a little editing there. And then, and that gets me back yeah. into it and I go on. But I mean, there are times where I'll go, like I was on vacation for four days. I didn't yeah. write when I was on vacation and I had a harder time getting back into it. But like you said, you're always doing it. Today, I was outside and I got a whiff of something and it's like, oh, I got this great yeah. idea. And it's the middle of the work yeah. day and I go running in and I write down, yeah. oh, I'm going to have to do that. So like you said, we're, we're writing. And, and I think people get nervous when I know when I started first, you know, doing this novel project and figuring out my, my series and everything, you hear from a lot of people in writing advice or classes. Oh, you have to write every day. You have to write every day. And then you get so worked up about it and you're like, Oh my God, if I don't write every day, I'm a failure. And then when, when you write crap, I mean, like, exactly. You're just, and some people say that's better than nothing, but it's not. For them, it might be, no, but for you, it I isn't. would be, yeah, it wouldn't be great writing. It'd be like, blah, bitty, blah, blah, blah. And so-and-so said this, and then they touched hands and then they, and it, and it doesn't make sense yeah. and it doesn't fit because you're not writing from a place of authenticity. You're writing from a place right. of fear. And I don't think that's the best way. And I think if more writers, especially young writers, like, you know, the millennials, like myself, who have about a hundred million other things kind of 
bombarding you for your attention. I think finding a schedule is the best way to do it. And if it's not a, it doesn't have to be the same schedule. I mean, there's some weeks where I can write every day and I feel great and I'm doing it and it's awesome. Especially living in this world today where everything changes day to day. You don't know what's 2020 going to throw at us tomorrow. So, you know, well, you know, it, it's true. Like if you read Lawrence Block, he'll go out and he'll spend a month in a hotel and he won't be with his family and he'll write 24 seven other than when he's right. sleeping. Okay. That works for him. I like to work on two projects at okay. the same time. And I've never had writer's block because if what I'm writing isn't coming out well, I shut off and I go do something else. And that's part of, I think for me, the good thing about writing during yeah. the day, my day job is writing in the insurance industry. I'm always right. writing. So my creative flow is there, but I'm writing from a different yeah. part of my brain, a different topic. But even when I'm writing fiction, I'm always writing something and planning the next oh. one at the same time. So for me, even if I'm not at the keyboard, right. like right. you said, you know, but that's what works for me. I would never, never want to tell somebody, oh, you have to do this. You have to and do that. And I think that. I've found a lot more going to conferences and interacting with more authors from New England, especially. That's how a lot of people are up here, that it's like, I get it. If you can't work every day, I mean, you got to pay the bills somehow. <laughs> like you can't depend on art to feed your, you know, feed the three cats that are wandering my house right now. <laughs> that won't keep them in wet food. But what I think is really funny is so many people who are writing fiction and get published when they're right. older, okay, did a whole lot of oh, writing. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many people my age I find who are technical writers <laughs> or who were technical writers or who wrote advertising material or who wrote textbooks or who were teachers and then they wrote all kinds of theses and articles oh. and magazine pieces. I think that a lot of people who are just born to write, they just right. write and you find your own rhythm. So tell us about your next book that's coming up, Concession Stand Crimes. Well, it will be book two in the Fancy Pantsy Ballpark Mystery Series, um, published by <laughs> Pandemoon Publishing. Um, so it'll follow Madeline Boucher, who is the main character of book one. And of course, she, as, as one does in a cozy mystery, she stumbles an, upon another dead body, like WTF. And <laughs> see, no swearing. That was good. <laughs> That's right. You're not acronyms supposed to do work. that, but that was pretty good. You're a millennial. <laughs> no, that's right. I love an acronym. I also worked for the government. So that that's acronyms. Oh, there you go. Right. Same thing as insurance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so in book two, so book one focuses mainly on her life with the Abington Armadillos getting into this job and kind of getting used to it. Book two takes us to Salem for a game where I made up another team in Salem. Don't go find it. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a little bit more fun because I got to play with a little bit more stuff. So like Salem's a fun city because you can play with the witchcraft yeah. and all that. So I had a, an old coworker of mine who's a brilliant artist. I commissioned three tarot cards from her specifically for this book. So they're baseball cat focused. Okay. So that there's a little bit of mysticism in the next one, but it's still mainly focused on Abington and the team and all that. And um, so I'm really excited about that. It's on schedule for next spring when hopefully, knock on wood, we have a full baseball season, <laughs> fingers crossed, and I hope to be able to get okay. out and go to actual ballparks and start to bring my book to the Woo Sox or the Cape League or... Yeah, and Pawtucket's going to Worcester or somewhere? Yeah, it's the Worcester Woo Sox. Oh, that's what they're called. That's where the Woo Sox is. I was saying, I what's know. that? So okay. yeah, so hopefully okay. I'll be able to get some baseball people out that way and 
and hopefully people will like it and we'll keep writing this series. I'm working on book three, so I'm hoping people like it. Oh, of course they will. And you'll come back in the spring, yeah. right? When Concession Stand Crimes comes out, you'll come back and you'll show us that cover, right? Then I'll be a cozy series author and that will be very exciting. <laughs> well, you already are. It just hasn't been out yet. Technically it's done, mostly. You sold it, so there <laughs> <Exactly>. you go. <laughs> That's the important part. <laughs> So hold up that cover of the one that you have so people can find it. They can find it on your website and anywhere where good books are sold. I hope somebody said that. And it's like, well, I like that. Like, who's going to sell well, bad well, books? Amazon's got It's some. opinion. Everybody's opinion. <laughs> right. right. And you can go to bookshop.org, which is one of my favorite websites because it supports indie bookstores. You can order it through them as well bookshop.org is the best way to go. And people can find you online at NicoleAslinWriter.com. And you do a lot of social media. They can find you on Facebook. Facebook I have a, a, a really cool Facebook group called Nicole's Starting Lineup, which I will be putting my book covers out, little sneak peeks of book upcoming books and fun memes because I love a book meme. And I'm also on Twitter at Nanazlin, N-A-N-A-Z-Y-L-N which is a nickname from college. So it's stuck. And, but, okay. but if you go to my website, there's a clickable link. So you don't have to worry about spelling. All the, all and also Instagram, there. come to my Instagram for cat pictures. That's, there's a lot of pictures of my cat on that one. Okay. <laughs> but we can get to you everywhere in the world from your website at NicoleAslinWriter.com. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you in the spring. And of course, I'll be chatting with you oh, between perfect. now and then. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Glad to have you. Look forward to having you again. Bye-bye.